I'm lashing out a little bit because my wife likes you better than she likes me, okay? Okay. I'm entitled to fucking lash out. <laughs> and she doesn't even know you. She likes you more than she likes me. She dislikes my on-air personality. She likes your persona. What the? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. Welcome to the Metacast. I'm Josh Anderson. Okay, okay, Trying to be more no nonsense this morning. Have you ever thought, Josh, what it's like to be inside my head? It's a scary place. Big news in the world of Metacast. What's the news, Josh? Uh, Josh is taking a new job. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. So we're not going to talk about exactly Did what it is. Did you find someone that would actually hire you? Somebody said, you know what? We want this guy? Yeah. Is there incredulity in my voice? Is that even a word? I have no idea what that is. Yes, whatever it is, it's in your voice. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that is, but yes. Yes, someone said, hey, we would love for you to come. Lucky them. Yeah. Now I'm being serious. Oh. Lucky, lucky them. Thank you. Thank you. Lucky so, them. what's your new role? Uh, I'm going to be the CEO. Why did my voice go up? It was your what? inquisitive oh, maybe. tone. What's your role, Joe? Well, Bob, my role will be the chief operating officer Ooh. for a for a Bitcoin mining company. That's kind of cool. It is cool. Oh, it's co. Co. <laughs> Okay, so the only reason we're talking about this is because we are, as Bob loses his mind over there. It's a dad joke, and I loved it. <laughs> we are going to talk about how to properly leave a company, and we'll also talk about how to not leave a company. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to like hit both sides of it. Yeah, Many of you have heard or maybe have taken part in what the news media is calling the great resignation. Yep. So if you as a listener out there are thinking about, you know what, the best opportunity out there is for me at a different job, we want to talk through the best way to handle leaving with some examples that we think are good and unfortunately probably more examples that we know are not good. Well we could talk you and I have generational differences too. Yeah. So I can bring it like there's archaic things. Yeah. Like two weeks notice, for example. Why don't we start there even? Okay, yeah. Like, you know, that old, you know, I, like my dad would be like, you've got you to gotta give two weeks notice. Yeah. Right? Or more. Yeah. Or a month's, or, you know, a month's notice and things like that is, you know. So notice. What, what's, what's a balanced notice nowadays or a fair notice, period? Does you know, it- it's weird because that still is viewed as like the decent, respectful thing to do. Is it still two weeks? Yeah, because the theory is that you allow the company to react and start having a plan. And if there's a transfer of knowledge, it has to happen. There's actually time for it to happen. All that stuff is still like, that's the, yes, I do believe it came from somewhere long time ago, but it still seems to be the thing that if you do less than that, people kind of like give you the stink eye. I mean, it dep- It goes both ways, too, though. Uh, I've heard of companies that walk you out the door, yeah. right? Like, you give the two weeks notice, and for a variety of reasons, 
you know, security reasons I've seen, you know, yeah. and they'll pay you, but it's like, we don't want you around here. So if they have that on, on the company side, I could see maybe having that on the, on the employee side. My daughter, when she, she had a contract or I'm not sure she signed a contract, but they had like a month, they had a, a more formal requirement of four weeks notice or something like that. I think it was, I think it was contracted as part of your employment mm-hmm. agreement or something and, and, or four or six weeks. Mm. And, and one of the things I, I think that she discovered, I was talking to her th- about this. It's hard once you've resigned, I don't know I want to hear your voice, but once you resign, it's hard to hang out at the company sometimes because depending on your role and your position, it can be really sad. Like everyone's coming to you and saying goodbye yeah. or, or what? So, you know, it's easy to on paper say, I'll hang out for two weeks, depending on how, you know, how good you've been, the connections you've made, the friendships you've made, what's going on. It can actually be an emotional roller coaster. Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, yeah, and that's what, that's what she and then so put those two things together, and she had like a four or five week like emotional roller coaster, and going in on paper it looked oh yeah I can do this yeah, but then going through the roller coaster it was like really hard on her too. I, I think she left like a week earlier or something yeah. like that. Just just because it was it's just it's just hard to keep because you're not in a, you're sort of in this twilight zone. Of you're not you're not gone, but you're not really there either. So react to that. Any any reactions to that from your point of view? Yeah, I I understand that. I've seen that. from from my perspective. This was something that I was wrestling with a whole lot. What the right move for for Josh is, and I've raved about Storable, and I still hold hold that to be true. And one of the reasons. Why is I've been talking to my boss about a move like this for like four or five months. And he and I have spent a ton of time just working together, trying to figure out what we could reshape things at storable, what options are out there. And so I, I was lucky enough to go through the emotional part first. And then once the decision was made, I kind of worked through all of that. But again, super lucky. I get that that's pretty rare for folks. I, I was going to say, I think yeah. that's, I think that's rare yeah. that you get a chance, and they're open-minded there. Yeah, very. Yeah. yeah, so you get a chance to sort of just have conversations. Yeah, so if you have a relationship like that with your boss, it might be rare, but that's that, that helped me be comfortable with the decision that I had to make on what was best for Josh. See, I, I'd say most of the time I haven't really shared that. This is the first time I ever have. Yeah. So, which is how I know it's rare. Yeah. And which is why I have been at Storable for three plus years. I was going to ask you like about Teradate or something. Did you? Yeah, no. Did you buddy up to people and like have? Actually, actually, there was one other, there was one other job. I was at a startup and there, there was some growth that I wanted to to have. And I talked to the CEO and he was like, listen, we aren't going to have that here for a while, but like, let me see what I can help you do and help you find and he helped me land the job at dude which was oh, a life changer kind of, oh, that's kind of cool yeah. so i think i think one of the deciding factors for metacasters is your relationship with your boss or, or your boss you know some of the leaders in yeah. your organization if you have a really warm and respectful you know and sort of candor relationship then have that discussion yeah and and, and the exploration and it but if you're not sure 
I would don't. say don't. Do yeah, it don't, all. don't. Again, and 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 I spent years with this person, and we've had a lot of talks. So I so I knew how the reaction was going to go. So that made made me comfortable, willing to have that. But not many other places, I think, are like that, and it takes a lot of investment to get there with your boss. Well, I think it's even you don't even know. Yeah. Right. So it's you. There's a case where you think you have a close relationship with your boss, but you might be wrong. You might be wrong yeah. Yeah. because it's this really takes it to a depth. This takes the, the the strength of your relationship and the character of the people, and it really it, it it puts it it puts it in the forefront. So, I I know that I've I've actually had these conversations with some folks, and I underestimated how loyal they were or how connected we were. Mm-hmm. And uh, it backfired a few times, meaning once I had the discussion, it was like, "Oh, you've just checked out." Yeah, right. You've just checked out, so I need to, I need to get rid of you or mm-hmm. something. Not in a, not in it. But you're, there's something about, in my experience. There's this. You're in the game and you're not, and it really changes. I was alluding to it with with Rhiannon earlier, or whatever, or whatever. Right. The the minute you resign. Or you may you talk about resigning, it changes the landscape, right? It cha- it changes a lot in the with the relationship you have with with your supervisor. So, and not in a positive way, because it's like it's sort of you're on my team, and then you're not on my team. Do you have you seen? There's almost a binary nature to it. I, I've over the years I've seen that. In it, yeah, in many ways, and I've I've felt like that where like I have decided. This is not where I want to be. Yeah. And so I don't really want to be here, but I'm doing the respectful thing and trying to support the team that I work with, the team that I built or something like that, because it's the right responsible thing for me to do. But my mind is already steps ahead. And like, I, I, I don't have the same passion. This situation is very different again, because of the type of company that, that they are. It's actually been very gratifying because what has happened is as the company has prepared for Josh leaving and we've started to hire other people or distribute some of the responsibilities, that's freed me up to look at my backlog and like things I wanted to do, but never had time to get done. You're doing that. Yeah. I And it's great. Cause I can just like sprint like crazy at them yeah. because a lot of the stuff has been taken off my plate. So I'm like knocking stuff out that I wanted to do for years well, and, and that's enthusiasm, but I've never felt like that before. Like I never retained that passion before because I don't think I had, the same relationship with the leaders and the founders there that I do here, which is now part of that is how you build, or I'm asking part of that is how you build teams. So you don't build teams that are dependent on Josh. You build independent organizations of Josh. So has that played in strongly to what's yeah. Yeah, exactly. Which is how we got to this point pretty quickly where, okay, here's all the things. These go here. These go there. Yeah. Cool. Josh, what are you going to do? Well, there's like 16 things I want to do in the yeah. next two months before I leave. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I do think that uh, that's rare. Qu- quick question. Mm-hmm. How do you, how have you, and I'll ask this of myself, 
but I'm going to put you on the spot first. Flip it around. People come to you like this. Historically, for the last 10, you've been leading people for 10, 15 mm -hmm. years or more, whatever. They come to you. and So they have the Josh discussion with yeah. you. How have you met them? I uh, think I know the answer. Yeah, I, I, it's it's the person. And I am invested in them growing however they want to grow. And I always viewed my responsibility as ensuring that they feel like they're growing in the ways they want to grow. Otherwise they're going to look somewhere else to find it. Yeah. So it's a bit of a gut punch when I feel at that moment, I've let them down because they don't feel like they can grow or do whatever they want here. Yeah. I didn't provide that. So I don't look at it as an insult. It's a moment for me to reflect. But and do you deal with them? The way your boss is yes. dealing, yeah, you yeah. Should, yeah, yeah, because they are, they are people that I value. Yeah. Because if I didn't value, they they wouldn't be there. Not everyone's that way. Right. It's yeah. the rareness. I wanted to flip it around. It's not just who you work for. It's yeah. you. Yeah, and I think that reciprocal nature is part of it. Yeah, uh, it's me too. I, I put people first. I mean, I I don't I I will say I take it a little personally from the point of view of what could I have done. Yeah, right. right. What, what could I have done better? Because I connect to people so strongly, right? Mm -hmm. So I don't, I don't take lightly resignations at right. all. Yeah, you know, I even if we've had conversations and they're expected, I'm very reflective about it. I, I think it's because I just appreciate, per, you know, people and their performance and how hard it is to find good people and things like that. So let's talk counter offers. Oh, you! Oh, I was there. That is, I you we oh, we've been together too long metacasters we have to break up or something like that I, <laughs> I swear to god no i was i was i was i was right there what is your what is your feel you want me to go first sure i'll, I'll go first yeah. i'm pretty bot i never ever ever i know this sounds extreme um i so i've never accepted a counter offer i've gotten them and i i i don't i've rarely extended a counter offer Maybe in 20 years, I've extended counteroffers once or twice, maybe extenuating circumstances or something yeah. where I screwed the pooch on salary equity and I tried. And But I'm not very bullish on, on counteroffers. And it's not to counteroffer as a leader or as an organization, whether it's me working with people or people working with me, I think you should have those discussions way earlier. Mm -hmm. And just, you shouldn't have to get into a position where I have to resign to get treated fairly. So yeah. I just don't like it. What yeah, about you? I, I, you know, I get pretty pissed off when somebody gives gives me a counter offer. It's like, oh, so now, now yeah. I'm worth that. Yeah. Well, that's pretty shitty. Like, why why is it all of a sudden, and I, Josh, we really think you're worth this. Like, let's, like, well, why, why wasn't that true yesterday? And why did I have to come in? Yeah. And why did, it's just, it's, it's, it's I don't, I don't even know what the fuck excuse my French, but what is it? It's like this lame thing, right? I just don't... The other thing is, I don't know anyone who's accepted a counteroffer. The, the people that I have seen accept a counteroffer are usually still gone within a year. That's what. I, that's yeah. my experience as well. So it's just, it's just not a good... It's not a good situation. Yeah. Um, but on the other side, I because of how I feel, I feel like a total jerk extending a counter offer yeah. i like you said i have had to do that where we were over a barrel for something and you know 
I didn't do a good enough job of having this function staffed yep. appropriately yep. and there was going to be no one else to do it or whatever. And I didn't like it. I wasn't comfortable, but it was the best thing for the business. So I had to make that call, but only in those situations where it's like there is no other choice. And I think the true there is no other choice is more rare than people treat it. I think a lot of people think, well, we got to, you know, we got to counter offer. It's like, well, we don't, right? Here's how we can handle that. Well, if you're building good teams, you build in resiliency, right? Yeah. So there isn't, there shouldn't be these single points of failure all the time. Mm-hmm. So you shouldn't have to knee jerk. I I can't tell you. I emphasize like you should be pre working that on both sides. So you know the person who's looking to leave should you should be having these conversations. Let's even forget that you have safe bosses, right? You have jerks. You should still have the conversation. You should still, you know, work up the courage. Maybe you don't, you know, maybe it's not real direct, but you need to talk about your worth. You need to have these mm-hmm. come and see rather than get into the resignation. So drive drive those conversations, those value-based conversations. Talk about market dynamics and things. Uh, yeah, if you don't advocate for yourself, how can you expect anyone else to? Exactly, exactly. Yeah, and... and I think given the way the world has gone in the past year and a half working in the technology sector, you should have a more clear idea of your worth than you ever have because so many people are leaving and talking about the salary difference that they got by going to, so that, that drives that. Whereas before it was always kind of hard to figure out, what this position is worth then I've even struggled with like, what am I worth in that position? You know, because not everybody's the same. Whereas now there's so much change within the sector that there should be no shortage of people you can talk to that have recently jumped and said, Hey, like this is, this was the because we've we've had at Storable we've had people come in with just crazy offers yep. and we're like wow that is amazing congrats you know and so we've had to rethink okay <laughs> you rethink yeah. you have to well you don't have to some companies yeah. have, this sort of the great resignation and and COVID and stuff is I think it's going to weed out companies like yeah. old guard mindsets. And then folks who really are starting to respect people, mm-hmm. both working from home, salary levels, perks, um, just culture, all of that. The leaders, yeah. the role of the lead. You know, poor leaders like these Attila the Hun leaders are going to get weeded out. Not they're not going to. They're not. Gonna, unfortunately, probably won't go extinct. Right. Yeah. But they're going to. They're going to be weeded down. I think. What, so to turn the table we've talked about how we've tried to do it well. Let's talk about some of the things we've seen where it's not handled well. Josh, is this a diversity and inclusion minute? It is. Sorry, Bob just broke my brain with something he just said. So I was incapable of doing the intro. So, so here we are. What do you got? I'm I'm fired up about something and it's not, it doesn't live in the realm of diversity and inclusion that we've historically talked about. But as many of you know, football's a thing that I like and I care about. Oh. And the hiring practices in the NFL are just insulting. Yeah. And everybody 
there was a rule that was put in place, but it's it's clearly not working. So I I've actually set aside like brain power thinking about how could that be reworked so that we actually get the diversity that is deserved in the NFL coaching circles. See, I heard someone talking about it this morning on on a show and and he said he was an attorney. He was involved in peripherally into football. I don't know if he's the next player, but he said it's not the Rooney rule. He said the Rooney rule is okay. Mm-hmm. It's the people interpreting yeah. the Rooney rule. Right. Yeah. So like I've been thinking like what the that that rule makes sense. The spirit of the rule and it's logical, but it's not working. So like what needs to change? You, is it the good old boys, all yeah, of the old white owners? What he was saying. Yeah. I mean, you could you could have Rooney Rule two, Rooney Rule three, right? His yeah. his point, and I I actually resonated with it. Is it's it's sixty something, you know, sixty, fifty, yeah. sixty, seventy something, you know, eighty year old white men who are privileged, yeah. who have billion dollars, and who will do whatever the f they want to do. Yeah. So even in our country's most popular sport, we see the systemic racism, yeah. like in full effect. So don't like don't gloss over that. Like really pay attention to what's going on there and the ratios are insane no, as far as absolutely insane. players versus coaches and Ab- it just it doesn't it's seventy percent players yeah. are, are African American. Yeah. There's what, one coach. Yeah. Right now. There's and there's there's a a Latina coach or mm-hmm. there's there's three coaches that have connection to people of color. Yeah. Out of twenty what, how many? Twenty eight? Thirty two. Thirty two. And all of the hires that have happened recently and quickly are white. Are white. Yeah. Absolutely. It's it's atrocious. Yeah. You can't even if you t- if you look at it at a high level, it it just doesn't pass the smell test. Right. I'm. Are you pissed off about? Yeah. It's like it. It. I. I was just flat out not okay with it, and I said, "Okay, cool. You're not okay with this. Like, what are you going to do about it?" So having some of the knowledge I have about how all that works, I just like started thinking about how would you change? What would you do? And is there anything you can do if the systemic issue is all the old privileged owners? You know, I don't, I, that's, that's the big hurdle. So that that's a microcosm of what happens in our country well, and in our well, world. In that suit that what's his, I forget the Miami coach. Brian Flores. Brian Flores. And I've heard this in people who are, you know, attorneys or folks who are involved in it. They talk about the key is transparency. Yeah. Right. So the thing, it it what, but right now they're opaque. Mm-hmm. These privileged white guys can do whatever the hell they want, and yeah. no one can see that they're playing games or whatever. But if you if you can have full, so maybe the thing to talk about is how do we create, and that's part of his suit, is full transparency. Right. Right, and you just and people keep saying it mm-hmm. and saying it yeah. and saying it <laughs> until these guys. Yep, there's so much heat on these guys. So I'm I'm with you. Yes, uh, let's get fired up, Metacasters. Look at sports and because again they influence our cultures and they influence you know sort of our paradigm so much. And here's another one. One of my favorite soccer players, or football if you're anywhere not in the U.S., is Wilfred Zaha. I I like him as a player, but I love him as a person 
because ever since the George Floyd stuff happened, all of the teams, all of the coaches, all of the referees prior to the game starting take a knee. There's yep. a moment of silence. About, it might have been like a year ago, he was like, this is dumb. We're not doing anything. So he doesn't kneel anymore. He stands there yep. respectfully yep. because he cares about trying to solve this problem. Yep. But his point is like this, this isn't actually doing anything yep. like we need to change. We need to try something else. So the, the fact that he has the wherewithal to be the one person that's willing to do something different, to have the camera on yep. him yep. every time he does it and try and use that platform to say like world league teams, this isn't working. We gotta yep. do something different. I'm with you. Uh, from my side, Rhiannon and I are doing Thursday, and I can send you a link if this goes out soon enough. But on Thursday, we're uh, Women in Agile. We're doing a fireside chat for them, and uh, so it's supporting. I, I love that group. Yeah, and it's it's just, and I love working with my daughter. So it's like, yeah. we'll, we'll have like a double a, bonus. A, we'll see what you know. Ask us anything around agile leadership. And the Agile Disciples group is, I had the first presentation. It went well, it was well attended. They, it kicked them off very nicely. They've asked me to do monthly mentoring for the group. So I have that scheduled. So once a month, and you know what? I will copy you on, I want to pull you in. I don't know why. I don't know if they've invited you or not, mm -hmm. but I, maybe we could mentor together. Yeah. It's just going to be a Zoom if you have the time. Yeah. And it's a, a once a month Zoom. I think it's on a weekend. <laughs> That's okay. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and it's like a Saturday early, but I'm looking forward to that. And it's yeah. like groups, you know, coaching, coaching them to become coaches. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So my, my, my last thing around diversity is I really encourage any of our listeners, you have a unique opportunity to diversify your house with a very loud meowing cat. If you would like to adopt one of those, all I, right. I can help you, right? Like if that's how you want to diversify your your family gets some different pets, something new, something that clearly has a strong Josh voice. Josh is looking to get rid of the cat. Yeah, uh, totally. I Not mean, get rid of, sort of, you yeah, know. For the good. Gift. Yeah, it's gift, for the gift good. Gift it's, it's for the good. In all, in all seriousness, Metacasters, it's, it's a challenge. So yep. we're role modeling. Step up. I've heard people listening. I've heard we, that this is... We're influencing people to think differently, to take some actions. We want to encourage that to continue. So just please keep doing that. Mm -hmm. All right. So yeah. back to the episode. Back to the episode. I was going to bring up exit interviews, but I'll, I'll use that as a okay. As a so you know, what's your view of exit interviews? So and we'll use that. So exiting. I, that last, I, to my knowledge, I think folks still do, most companies do an exit interview of some mm -hmm. sort. I usually HR does it. I'd say leave. I've had two things. I want to, I don't want to burn bridges. And that, I know that's an old thing or a mature thing, but I, I don't like burning yeah. bridges. I don't like, you know, and I mean really burning bridges. Uh, I just don't think it's, it's, it, it's a, it's a small world. It's yeah, a exactly. small universe. Exactly. Yeah. It really is. So, but I also believe in telling truth. Yep. Right. I also believe in, in being a real, and that that is an opportunity to be a straight shooter. So I won't, I won't be rude. I won't be cruel. I won't try to, you know, hurt someone, but I will tell the truth of why I'm leaving. Mm -hmm. I will tell the truth about culture or whatever. My intent is not to harm anyone. My intent is to give them data so that they can improve. Yeah. What about you? I, I, I left Teradata and one of my intentions was that 
I tried to make my departure impactful enough that it was going to change the way they operated. Yeah. And that, and that was, that was something that I hoped would happen. I don't think it did, but I had real intent with that of trying to make it better for those that chose to, to stay. And on the burning bridges, we've had people that have left in the past year that like, poured gasoline all over the bridge really? and then threw a stick of dynamite on it. Yeah. Yeah. And so, don't, so don't do that, Metacasters. Yeah. It's, I mean, you have a choice, but I think leaving badly or the anti-pattern would be really burning a bridge. Yeah, because fast forward a decade and all of those people that were on that bridge that remember that bridge yeah. are probably at different companies now. And they so, are, yeah. and it's a small world. And they may be hiring you, or you may want to hire them, and they have friends, mm-hmm. and there's LinkedIn, so people can look at connections. And I mean, you can do whatever you want, but if, and I, I don't think, I think burning the bridge only looks poorly on you, in your intentions, yeah. and it, it's, it's really not effective. What's another one? I think it's like accepting, just accepting the counteroffer, I'm going to go back to what we were talking about. It's all about the money. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm going to accept a counteroffer. Then I'm going to hang out for a little while. And then I'm going to leave. I, I, I think that's, that's a mistake. That you, if you're just chasing titles and salary and, and stuff. Yeah. I. So I've talked to some people about that in the past seven or eight months, and I don't know if I have this view because I did it, but there was a there was a period in my career. Where that's how I operated and I was chasing those things and there are some people that want to do things that want to achieve a role or do a something or make and that's what drives them so I I try and tell them it's okay but no that's the decision that you're making and it might blow up in your face it might not be as good as you think but if you believe that's the way for you to get to your goal, cool. But I am not in that same spot. So to me, I think there's, for some people, yeah, there's a part of the career where you might make those really aggressive choices that some might work out well, some might be disasters. What I'm, I get what you're saying. Yeah. What I'm saying is my total goal is twofold. To have big honk and title. Yeah. And to make lots of money. I think that's so. Add another one. What do I like doing? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. Add another one to that. Uh, in ten years, what do I want to achieve? In ten years, what's my legacy? Now, I didn't say remove the money and the big honk and title. Mm-hmm. I said be additive. Yeah. Around a, have a have a strategy, have a goal. What what I'm poke, what I think and I'm really trying to suggest this to, to the metacasters, I think you're making a mistake if you're only looking for those two things, and it's not so. That's your overarching strategy, Josh. Is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Why did you leave? Money title. Yeah. Anything yeah. else? Right. No. No. Yeah. Money title. Yeah. Right. I see. Uh, yeah. Right. How about your money title? <laughs> right? yeah. How about your car? Money title. I'm just, I'm just, I, I, well, I, I mean, no, I mean, that's a, that's a real thing. I know there, there was a period in my life where, like I said, that was, and, and that me, was the thing that and I, you know yeah, what yeah. old baby boomers like me. Yes. Yeah. I, but I also, it was part of an overarching. Yeah. But to hit home, there was a day when I came home from work 
And my wife said to me, you're not the dad you used to be or you want to be and your kids have noticed. Exactly. And so that was... That's sort of the... Yeah. I'm suggesting to Metacasters, it's not so much I'm judging, I'm suggesting being additive in having a multifaceted view. Yeah. Uh, but that, that that's a valid way to, to navigate. I think if it's narrow then that can haunt you. That yeah, can, that yeah can... exactly. And like, I am living proof that if you have that narrow of a view, things will, things that aren't in that view will go wrong Yeah, and you might not notice them. Yeah. And you might not have somebody that cares enough to say something to you about it. Exactly. Which my wife cared enough about me and our family that she was like, dude, like, yeah. you got to do something. So I made a change really quick because that's not who I wanted to be, and I didn't notice it because yep. I was so focused. And that's one of those moments in my life that was a game changer. Yep. I think another thing to do is, like we were talking about burning bridges on the exit interview. I think there's burning bridges in your exit. I've seen people steal stuff. Yeah. I've seen people, which is sort of simplistic, I've seen people just treat other people like they saved up things. Like they'll walk into an architect and say, I always thought you were an ass, right? And you, you couldn't design your way out of a wet paper bag. Or so. so they, they just, they look at the exit as being this place, like the <laughs> like it's the sharing of grievances. It's yeah. an opportunity yeah. for me to share all the grievances that I never had the courage to bring up or try to coach through or change while I was there. Mm -hmm. But now, so the airing of the grievances, it's don't, People do that. It's it's terrible. It looks terrible on you. It does a lot of harm. And those people are gonna you're gonna see those people again taking things from the company. I've seen people try to erase stuff, right? Try to delete stuff. Like, I we've we've had to audit various things because we were worried somebody was going to embed like a time bomb. And, so and, like two or three years later, yes, something would and, stop and, working. And I've seen stuff like that. Yeah. I've seen people do that. So don't, yeah. <laughs> and none of our listeners would do that. Right. But, but just a reminder, you know, don't do, don't, don't do that. You can't hide it. It's the company didn't do any harm to you. So leave no harm. And so doing harm is, is really bad. If you feel like you want to do that, then leave. I'd rather have you walk out the door, like just resign and give them no no. If you feel like you know you've been treated so poorly, <laughs> then, yeah, then just leave. And I think that's a situation where that's the responsible thing to do yeah. because something has gone so horribly wrong that you cannot stay. And so you, that's that's what some of us at my current job call like the I want to slap the badge on the table right like in those cop movies when like the cop comes in and slams their badge on the table and storms out it's like I'm done because something like yep. they have gotten they've pushed over the edge and it's, yep. it's just like I can't do this anymore those should be rare but yep. there are times when that kind of has to happen but in the end nothing will come back to haunt you if you're just a good person that's i think the thing is don't be an ass so if you're if you exit on the ass side it's gonna it's it's gonna it's gonna hurt you it's gonna come back i i've seen it inevitably come back yeah uh, to hurt someone because it's such an interconnected world you may think that you're isolated you may move across the country 
Yeah. It's it's just not just deal respectfully, right? I think that you know, lean into the right, but have a respectful departure, a thoughtful departure. Don't don't slam anyone as you're exiting. Don't slam anyone later. As we were, we were talking, I was thinking about you and I and Teradata and Gonzalo. Mm-hmm. And over the years, that's our genesis. That's where yeah. we met. Yeah. I I still think we've used Gonzalo as an example, but I don't think we were personalized it so much. We, right. Right. It's we we talked. We've so. One of the one of the roughest places that you and I've worked together, and we said, Bob, you left earlier <laughs> than yeah. I did, and we learned a lesson. But I I still like to think we dealt, and it was it was a hard role, but we we've, we've dealt with it with respect, yeah. even afterwards. Yeah, it was a learning. Like every time I bring it up, it's not to slam. It, it was never to slam. It was a learning experience. What did I learn from mm-hmm. the event, and and how did it how did it shape me? So, yeah. so what I'm trying to say is even after you leave, I, I think, you know, it's not a good idea to re-slam the company yeah. or anything like that. Right. Anything else on the department? Well, I mean, if there's one thing I want listeners to, to, to take away, I really want them to hone in on one of the things that you just said, that if you exit on the ass side, <laughs> it's not going to be good. No, it's not. So just like that's your... If you're thinking about leaving, if you're thinking about doing anything, hey, it's my daughter. <laughs> That's okay. We aren't recording a podcast episode or anything. I know. It's okay. <laughs> Sounds good. Okay. Uh, Can you read a, I, another one? It does, I think he wants another one. Bob's pro candle. <laughs> I am pro candle. So it's a running joke. Of, he always has these ridiculous candles going. They're not ridiculous. Uh, did I say that with you? <laughs> They're not ridiculous. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> Sounds good. Okay. Welcome back. Damn, I was on a roll there. If you're thinking about leaving, if you're thinking about any of that, at the front of your brain needs to be, don't exit on the ass side. I, I, I would I would say that. Absolutely. Is there anything else? I'm th- I was thinking we're misstumping, but I don't. I don't think we did. No, we're going to do a follow-up to this. Well, the salary, right? we were talking about, so Metacasters, a follow-up sort of connected episode, and Josh alluded to it earlier in this cast, we're talking about salary levels and yeah. things like that. And we wanted to, again, great resignation, and we want to dig into like the yin and the yang of salary and comp. Mm-hmm. Um, and how to navigate that, how yeah. to value yourself, how to yeah. just handle the situation that's going on out there and allow you to be confident in what you're doing and make the best choice for, for you, which sometimes people don't do. And and maybe we take the same, you know, pro con view that we did this time, like how to do it well and how not to do it. Mm -hmm. We could do that there. Like as a teaser, I think folks really undervalue. I mean, you actually, even in my consulting, I think a lot of human beings undervalue themselves. And that does. So that's something we could explore. Mm-hmm. I'll get something out of it. I'll let you you, you teach me next okay. time. All right. So from Be- hey, Metacasters, we are not in Cary. We are in hyphen land. <laughs> we are in beautiful Fuquay Arena. So from down beautiful downtown Fuquay Arena, North Carolina, I'm Bob Galen. And I'm Josh Anderson. Shake. And bake. Take care, y'all. <laughs>